BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the TakeCast. My name is Davis Maddock. You guys can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. In this episode of the show, I am joined by my friend Peter Overzet to talk about what is on the tip of everyone's tongue, New Year's resolutions. We get a little bit into the uh, the neuroscience of how it works, but really just a conversation about things that have worked for us, things that have not worked for us, things that we hope to accomplish in 2024. Hope that you guys find it as useful and as entertaining as Pete and I did. If you want to support this show, you can subscribe to the Patreon, patreon.com slash takecast. There is a link to that in the description of this podcast. You can also tell a friend about the show or leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Now let's go ahead and get into the episode. All right, guys, welcome back into another episode of the TakeCast. I am joined by my good friend, Peter Overzet. We are recording this Wednesday, December 27th, because, Peter, New Year's is about to be here. I've been wanting to do sort of a a, a health, a wellness, uh, a podcast for a little bit, and I was like, okay, we could have Ricky D on, but Ricky D <laughs> is too rich. It's not relatable. Ricky D is is he's too rich. He can't he can't give relatable advice because the dude can actually just do Brian Johnson's blueprint. You know, like he can actually he can actually just afford all that shit. So we're gonna do we're gonna do some New Year's resolution talk. Uh, that is the that is the general gist here. And uh, yeah, man, how are you? How well, actually, this is a great place to start. How did you do in your 2023 resolutions? So I, this year, I would say a lot of like general resolution stuff was kind of thrown out the window for me because April was born last December. So this year was more like learning on the fly, how to incorporate all the things I like doing in my life while also being a dad. And some of that, I think I did well, some of it I didn't do well. And so I do think this year I actually have some kind of concrete things that I want to do. But last year I was not writing down anything because I knew I had to be super flexible and I just didn't want to get wedded to doing things a specific way. And then it's like, well, you have a two month old that's not going to actually allow for this. That's I, I mean, I'm not a parent, but that's, I think that's pretty good advice based on my observations of seeing my sister-in-laws be new parents. Is that like the best thing you can do in that situation is remain very facile, you know, just the ability to be like, all right, well, I, we're not, you know, I'm not, uh, I don't have my afternoon workout today because of X, Y, or Z with my literal life form that I am in charge of. Like it's, it's pretty good. Um, I did 
70 percent of mine uh the the my my main strength goal was to bench 225 didn't do nice. it i got to i got to 215 i've not i've not done uh 225 yet uh my physique related goal was to spend at least one week under 160 pounds which i did i'm way heavier than that now obviously the uh the the september slide i did i read 20 books that's always the one for me is i is i say you got it like i set a goal of reading before we get into anything super specific like i think we should just talk about like what a good resolution is or just like goal setting in general because you get into these conversations and i've done this a billion times like oh i'm gonna lose 50 pounds or whatever which is like based on all of my hubermaning is like the exact wrong way to set goals. The way better way to set goals is to set habit related yep. goals that like you can actually measure. You could be like, oh, well, I actually did go to the gym four times this week or I didn't like that's that's really the main thing. A hundred percent. The things I did well this previous year were directly tied to habits in the resolution that I want to talk about for, for me this year. And it is going to have to do with reading. I am not going to say I want to read X amount of books specifically, or I, I guess I might, but I know that's not how I'm going to accomplish it. And I actually yeah. know the levers I want to pull to do that. But like, as an example for me, you know, I stayed pretty dialed in this year with my exercise. Like I didn't have as long a workouts or getting to do the variety that I maybe otherwise would, but I always was doing something. And I built in these little hacks where it's like, I, I got my sauna, which I'm very fortunate to have. And I love it. But I have this Pavlovian response. When I set the timer, you wind it up and you know, in 45 minutes, the sauna is going to be ready. I know I have 45 minutes to work out. And like the second I spin that, I know I'm doing some kind of exercise. And when I'm done, the sauna will be ready for me. And I know not everyone has a sauna or, or access to it. But to me, it's that habit stacking with that. If you want this thing, this is how I'm going to spend my next 45 minutes. And that's been huge for me, as opposed to just saying, you're going to work out five times a week. It's like shit comes up and makes it really hard if you don't have that habit built in. That, I mean, that is a hundred percent true. Like I, I would say most of the positive changes that I've made since getting into all of the, the health and wellness and the lifting and the Huberman and the supplements are all habit-based things like all, like I just get up and go to the gym every morning. It's like, all, I actually didn't this yeah. morning because I had to get up and my company is based in the East coast and I had to get on a call at 6 30 AM. <sighs> so I didn't go, I did, but I might like some weeks, uh, if I might get up and go at four 30 in the morning, just cause like now my whole day is kind of messed up today. Cause I didn't go to the gym this morning. And it just like, it, 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 when you, get in that routine it feels worse to be off the routine than to just like make the accommodation and that's like a really hard that's a very hard lever to pull where discipline is in your day and then the things that i want most want to change about myself are also related to horrible habits mostly i mean for me it's all diet related like if i don't have dinner like ready to be made upstairs like I'm not going to make dinner. I'm not going to go up and go thaw chicken and chop vegetables and make a sauce and make whatever at four 30 after I just worked all day and I'm like tired and I'm like burnt out or whatever. And I know that, and I still don't make that change a lot of the time. And because that, because it, it's such a hard habit to change, like you have to be so disciplined really about diet. 
that kind of <clears throat> thing about setting your future self up for success i've noticed is so huge for me and it can be something very simple like one thing i'll do like if i know like hey i want to get this workout in in the morning or whatever like i will take my workout clothes upstairs i have like my stuff downstairs near my office but i will take it and put it next to my bed so that when i wake up in the morning i'm putting that on which sounds like a dumb little thing it sounds so stupid if I put on just my sweatpants or whatever, and then I'm like, well, I don't really feel like in just that little step of setting myself up is huge. And I do that with a lot of things like I, to your point with the food things, if I don't program my workout and it's just can be little, like, Hey, I'm going to come up with these five circuits or whatever. Like if I do that ahead of time, it feels like the workout's already done and I just have to show up and do it. Whereas if I go up there and I'm looking at my equipment and I have this blank canvas and I'm like, I got this other stuff to do. It becomes so much easier to eject. And I'm like, no, you already wrote the workout. You literally just have to do it. And those little tweaks are so massive for creating momentum. The, the setting your workout clothes thing, like someone might be listening to this and be like, that's literally idiotic. Like just having like my shorts and my gym shirt out is not going to make me want to do anything. And I like promise you it actually is so powerful because what I do is the night before every night during the week, I set the French press out with coffee in it. The water's on the stove. I turn it on first thing when I wake up, I set my gym clothes out. I fill up my water to go to the gym. I set my pre-workout up. Like everything for the morning before is ready. So it's like I'm not even negotiating with myself. Yep. There's, it's not even It's not even a, oh, do you feel like going? Do you not want to go? It's like, no, that is just literally, it's just literally what you're doing. Uh, that Which is, again, so many of these things are like kind of playing tricks on your own mind. They but are. It's, it, but it's learning what levers to pull like function for you. And then maybe what works for me or maybe what works for Peter wouldn't work for you. Obviously, whoever is listening to this, you're going to have a better idea of what is likely to work for you. Your situation is going to be different. Maybe you got four kids. Maybe you don't have access to a gym. Maybe you live right next, whatever, whatever it might be. But I, and, and this also sounds pretty trite, but like motivation is not going to get you where you want to go. I, I am motivated many days to eat right, you know, I, I'm I'm 2,000 calories, whole foods only, chicken and rice, whatever, and I can do that four days out of the week. But you know, maybe I got some shitty sleep, maybe I had to work late, maybe I, you know, hurt my ankle skateboarding or whatever, and I'm just like bumming or whatever. And I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna get, I'm gonna order a fucking pizza, or I'm going out with my wife and her friends, and we're going to a bar, and I'm gonna eat some greasy, disgusting burger. Because there's no motivation to access there. It the only thing that can save you at that spot is discipline. Yep. And I I would say the the spots that get me the most lately. I, I like having uh, a couple cocktails or having some beers. Um, I'm pretty good with the moderation aspect, but it's like I just I don't need the like the two drinks. You know, it's like I just don't need it, but I still find myself like seeking out that comfort. And to your point too, like sometimes it's like, well, just say you're not going to have it or whatever. And it's sometimes hard if you don't have a system in that place does not to have work. it. Just no. saying, just saying, I'm not going to drink. Like, does not work. It doesn't. And I mean, I and what's so interesting, the things I do well with, it's because I have such a long set of habits built up over the years. And it's almost just automatic. Like when I do my intermittent fasting or when I have my weekly workout on a calendar and I just know I'm showing up for it, but it's the things I haven't systemized. Like the stuff of like, you know, I haven't built up habits where I'm like, okay, I'm just not going to ever have a drink during the week. Maybe I'll have a couple on the weekend. Like I don't have that in place and that's where you slip up. 
but the stuff you entrench and you build upon, like that stuff just becomes folded into your life in a way where it's not even a conversation. I've also noticed that um, communally as well, where if you are not known as like a dieter, like if you're not known as someone who watches what you eat and you're you're just in a group of people or whatever, you actually feel like more uncomfortable not eating a fistful of fries or ordering dessert or or just whatever it is. But if you are, I mean, we've all had experience with this being around someone who's like a personal trainer or an athlete or whatever, and you're out to dinner with them or you're at a house party with them and they're either, you know, they are already ate or they get a salad or just like whatever it is. And no one, no one notes that or makes, uh, makes, uh, you know, it's not, it's not a topic of conversation that this fit person who has their shit together is not overeating. Whereas, you know, everyone else at the table is, and it's such a, because I've, I've been like a, a huge eating person for like, as long as I can remember, uh, it, it's more weird for me. Like when I was doing um, my weight loss bet in God Seekers and I would go out to dinner with my in-laws or whatever. And I'd be like, uh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm going to have the, the chicken breast, no dessert. They'd be like, dude, what are you doing? And I'd have to be like, well, blah, 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 X, Y, and Z. But if you're just already someone, you know, where, where that is the expectation for you, it totally changes those social dynamics. And, and James Clear talks about that exact thing you're talking about, how one of the biggest hacks along with like habit stacking is making identity-based changes. I think one yeah. of the reasons a lot of people who do marathons have success is because it's not that they're training for a marathon. They are now self-identifying as a runner. I'm as a, a runner. runner. Runners do these things. Runners eat these things. Runners sleep this way. And taking on that identity makes the tasks or the things you're doing along that path so much more viable because it's like we love things lining up logically, you know, and we like fitting things into themes and patterns and just having like, I think your stuff too, of being like, yeah, I'm a weightlifter. Like I'm a guy who goes to the gym. These are the things I do. These are the things I do to bulk and whatever, like that trickles down in Big really time. positive ways as if you were just like, oh yeah, I just go to the gym. Like just cause like having that identity wrapped around it, I think is massive. I mean, you'll even, I even see that at my gym. So it's kind of interesting. I go to the same gym every morning at the same time. I've done so for like, right, like kind of just as COVID is people were stopping wearing masks. Actually, I remember I went uh, for the first time the day after they got the mask mandate out uh, in, in St. Louis. So that would have been like late 2020. And there are people there who I've known this whole time, three years, and they're way stronger and they're way bigger, right? They're, you know, they added 20% to all their lips or whatever. And then there are people who look the same, lift the same amount of weight, do the same exercises that they've been doing. And I think there is a difference in doing something just because, like, oh, I just go to the gym just because, and doing something with intent because that is a part of your identity. Like I'm, I'm actively seeking to get better at this. And, and that's kind of something that I think a lot of people struggle with is like doing something just because, or doing something with a purpose. And there's like a big difference in the results you're going to get out of those two things. Yeah. And it's funny because there's some of these kind of like tricks and hacks that I rely on. I guess I don't necessarily rely on an identity based one when it comes to like working out. Like for me, I legit, you know, people talk about like the runner's high or whatever, but I yeah. do feel like I'm a legitimately like 
happier, like more motivated, more focused person after I work out. And like, I, you know, I've had lots of talks with Lauren about it. Like she knows she like, if I'm like, Hey, I'm going to try to go sneak in this 20 minute, 30 minute workout. She's like, do it. Cause she knows like me the rest of the day, I'm more helpful. I'm in a better mood. I'm more energized in yeah. that thing. Like, that's what I'm chasing. It's like doing that makes me a better version of myself. And I'm not even saying because like I'm stronger or whatever. It's like literally chemically adjusts how I approach the rest of the day. And that's always what I'm chasing whenever I work out. Like, sure, like we all have our vanity type stuff, but I'm telling you like my North Star with that is just, I'm gonna be in a mentally much better place later in the day. Well, I mean, it's even true that the the data would suggest like you can still, if if your options are, I'm either going to continue to eat a traditional American diet, you know, full of, you know, way too many fats, way too much carbohydrates, way too much sugar, not enough protein and not lift weights and not do any resistance training at all, or continue to eat the standard American diet, but do some sort of resistance training, whatever it might be, whatever floats your boat, your your results in life are going to be much better. Your longevity is going to be better. You are going to be, I mean, the, I actually just kind of learned this recently uh, from um, Peter Atia's book, Outlive. But a lot of what uh, happens to people when they kind of get into their 60s and their 70s and why people can, um, why they go downhill so fast is some of it is mental related decline, but actually it's it's really related to your literal skeletal muscle tissue, like starting to fade away. And it's kind of too late when you're 65 to not that, not that I would say someone who is 65 shouldn't start some sort of minimal resistance training, but you, you really start to lose that when you're like literally 30, it starts to, it starts to go down about 1% per year and then accelerates once you get over the age of 50. So even if, even if you're listening to this and you're like, dude, I got, I got kids. Like sometimes I just need to make Mac and cheese for dinner. Like, I mean, there are always alternatives. Like not that I'm always one to talk about that stuff, but the the worst thing that you can do is doing nothing like letting and I, I fall victim to this of letting the um letting perfect be the enemy of good yes. where like and so we're doing this in the we're doing this in the in the holiday season and so like obviously i've been like eating like shit you know a lot of sugar uh i'm literally drinking a diet coke right now not that i not that i'm like a big you know insulin response like you can't have art, artificial sweeteners guy but that totally could set me up on a slide of being like, well, I don't want to work out. I'm already eat. I'm already eating like shit. Why can't I eat more like shit? Like, what's the difference? Like, that is that is a, a very tricky spot to navigate for a lot of people. It is, and like it, it ties into. I always call it. You know, one thing that always helps me is like optimizing for momentum, and that's like if say your routine is going to the gym for an hour, but you only have thirty minutes. Old me, the temptation is just to be like, I'm not going to do it. I don't have the full time, but it's like still doing the 30 minutes. And I wrote about this in, in my newsletter that this was like the thing I had to learn this year was I get like 95% uh, of like the psychological benefits and I'm getting like 80% of the health benefits just from doing an abbreviated workout. And then it keeps the routine intact. It keeps that identity of like, I'm a person who does this every day. And then on the flip side of that, to your point, like there are days where shit comes up where you can't eat as healthy as you want or you can't do the workout. And I, and I think there's the temptation to be like, well, this week is a wash or after this holiday, I'll start over. And the phrase I always use is like snap back into it. It's like, yes, I went off the rails today, but I'm going to snap back into it. I'm always just like one day away from being right back into the routine 
in really trying not to beat myself up after, you know, relapsing on those things, because I've had the time, you know, I get the munchies late at night and I just like eat three, 3,500 calories. And I feel like shit the next day, but I'm like, I'm not going to let this beat myself up. I'm going to eat good today. I'm going to get my workout out. And then we're going to continue back on the routine. That's uh, I, I really, I've never heard that phrase before. I really like that optimizing for momentum. Cause mm -hmm. I think that, you know, I just, it is, that is a, that is a rut that, I mean, I can't speak to everyone's experience, but I can definitely speak to my experience, which is that like, I will just kind of generally go the direction that I'm already going in, you know, like inertia is like such a, yes. um, inertia is so powerful. So if I'm kind of generally trending up, like as a human being, I will generally trend up. And it's like, it's like the smallest things, you know, that will kind of start to backslide, um, you know, but the, it's all, it's all tied together. Like if I'm already kind of having a bad week, maybe I skip meditation, but then I skip my meditation so then like I'm already kind of off. I'm already kind of feeling, you know, off center, off kilter or, or whatever, whatever it might be. And that is, um, yeah, I haven't really, I haven't really thought about that so much, but it is, it, th those things do tend to snowball. And I think, isn't that why so many new year's resolutions fail, right? Because when we have this blank slate, it's just all opportunity. It's all, you know, good vibes. Everything's going to work out. And then you get that first wrench, you know, say you get hurt you know, you're two weeks into your routine or say there's like a big family gathering where there's a lot of food. And then it's like, well, the thing I was trying to do this routine, uh, you know, the perfect path, you know, ended up not being perfect. I slipped up and now it's just done. And then that goes back to, you're not, you haven't tied it to habits. You haven't tied it to an identity based thing. And that's why I think resolutions in general can actually be a bad thing because not only did they make you push yes. off when you're going to start something, but you quickly abandon it because you're like, it's almost like playing a video game. Right. And you like lose a life or whatever. And you just, all right, I guess I'll start over. Like, I'm not going to keep going. Like this whole mission is done because I failed. And I think that can be like a pretty bad way of approaching things. That's actually, that's actually another really great point, which is that if you set like nine new year's resolutions, I'm going to, you know, totally invent a new person, right? I'm going to I'm going to go to the gym every day. I'm going to learn a new language. I'm going to read a book a week. Uh I'm going to eat 1900 calories of optimized holy clean Nova class 1 foods and and you do all these things at once cuz um a, a, a lot of studies would indicate that like human beings actually have like a finite amount of willpower and that there's only so much like uh dopamine detoxing that you can kind of do over a given time frame which is not to say don't give yourself a total pass of being like you know i'm gonna keep eight bad habits and i'm gonna change two new ones like a, a kind of what i would say is like i don't know uh damage minification or whatever like or, or where you're just not trying to you're, you're trying to you're trying to limit the bad habits as much as possible but maybe don't bring them to zero that can be right. that can be kind of hard for a lot of people you know i i have a past of like addiction stuff. And I totally see that coming in for me, like with the sugar, we're like trying to like cut sugar out for me, like entirely, like going to, to zero added sugar in anything is not that different than like not smoking weed anymore or, or not drinking anymore. Like it's it, the, the overlap is like kind of crazy. I feel like I actually don't know. I mean, I know that you are uh, like sober now, but I don't know a lot of your background. Were, were there things you did? Um, to help you break that habit or transition, because that is a, that's a massive shift. That's a bigger shift than anything we're talking about right now. 
so it's so i mean you know it's it's kind of funny to be rediscovering this like uh you know, brain science and uh, I guess neuroscience, if I want to, if I want to sound smart and stuff as, as an adult, because I stopped doing drugs and drinking, like basically when I was a kid, like when I was 17, I, I got in a bunch of trouble doing drugs, jail, rehab, all this stuff. And that was more of like a willpower thing for me than anything else. Like I did do AANA and that stuff. Like I went to a, I went to an AA treatment center. Um, and I, I, went to meetings and and did this stuff for a while but definitely didn't uh as a as a 31 year old adult now don't so much follow the uh the program i guess as they call it like i haven't been to an aa meeting in i don't know five years or whatever but what does make sense thinking back on it is that it was what ended up changing for me was habit-based stuff where mm. I couldn't hang out with my old friends anymore. You know, I, I had to, the, I had to, um, you know, you got to change your people, places and things is what they would say to us in rehab, which is like so simplified and, and seems like advice for drug addicts. Right. But yeah. that actually, if you're trying to change something in your life, that actually is useful advice. If the people, places and things in your life are, leading you or make it just making it so much easier to stay in whatever rut you're in the change is going to be good for you like change is like you can't expect to be the best version of yourself when you are around environments that don't allow for that growth at all well yeah and it, i mean it it almost sounds so obvious but it's like if you had two groups of friends and one was the group of friends that hang out at the bar every night and throw back a bunch of beers and then you have another who are these powerlifting guys that like showing up at the gym every morning at 7am and lifting together and spotting each other it's like yeah which of those two groups you regularly surround yourself with is going to completely change your habits. And guess what? If you're with the guys at the the bar late at night, you're not going to feel like getting up in the morning and going and hanging out with the powerlifters. <laughs> Yeah. And that, you know, um, it can also be, I do not have any experience with this. Cause like my, my wife works out and she does, she does orange theory, which, yeah. uh, not, not for me, like wouldn't be my way of working out, but like, she loves it. It's her thing, whatever. But I, there is this thing that happens to people in committed relationships where I think it's very hard to be like, you got to deal with whatever for the next hour. Cause I need to go do this thing to go better myself, especially if, if it's not, if it, not even that you wouldn't want to reciprocate it, but that you weren't reciprocating it because the other person is like, I'm fine with who I am. I don't want to go to the gym or I don't want to do X, Y, and Z. Cause you, it's, it's an isolating, it can feel like an isolating behavior if you're the only one who's trying to improve whatever. Yeah. And that everyone's relationships are unique and stuff. And it's like, okay, well maybe you have the thing where going to the gym is for you, but maybe your partner has something else where their happy place is, is doing something else. It's some other kind of hobby or some other time that they need. But I do think that, you know, having, you have to have buy-in from your partner, not necessarily on the exact specific activity you're doing, but in them understanding why that time and that activity is so important for you and in, in making space for that. Um, and I'm very fortunate in, uh, in that regard. And it really does just boil down to kind of communication like that, but it is very, very helpful. Like if I'm say, I decided like this week, I didn't want to drink and I'll sometimes say to Lauren, you know, she'll be like, Hey, do you want a glass of wine with the dinner? And I'll just tell her like, no, go for it. But I I'm, I'm trying to not do any alcohol this week. And then once I communicate that, it's not like she's going to be like, Oh, are you sure you don't want wine? Like then she knows the deal and she can do yeah. her own thing and I'm good. But then she buys in to supporting me in that way, like once you kind of communicate your goal. 
which is like you know uh like it it sounds kind of easy but like things are it's not always that straightforward like like but you you got to do it right you you can't um I, I fall into this with a lot of people in my life where I just like kind of expect them to pick up on what my internal dialogue is without <laughs> having communicated it. You know, like if I go to the grocery store and I get nothing but, you know, fucking bell peppers, chicken breast, ground bison, rice cakes and beef jerky. And like that's my groceries for the week. That would be me. My internal dialogue would be like, OK, I'm only cooking clean shit this week or whatever like that's that's what i'm doing and then my wife be, might be like okay i'm gonna make chicken parm or whatever because yeah. i didn't i didn't communicate anything you know i just expected uh i expected her to pick up on that and that is um yeah but like if you are whatever your situation might be like roommates best friends partner whatever and you are wanting to make x y or z change yeah like you do have to communicate it because your partner will be like why are you being fucking weird you know yeah like if, why are you why are you acting out of character in in that first time when you're ripping the band-aid off can be hard like i remember when i started doing intermittent fasting and like i would you know be at my in-laws and she would put out the croissants and whatever for breakfast or whatever and it's like why is this weirdo sitting over there not eating anything but now it's so normalized they know the deal they know that i'm going to eat later in the day and like everything's fine and now it's not a big deal because that's just like part of the identity but that first time too like if you're out and say doing the drinking thing again and everyone's like having drinks like being the guy being like hey i'm not drinking right now I'm like oh okay or whatever and it's like right. that first ripping off the band-aid is really hard but then once you get past it then it's so easy then people don't bother you then they just know this is your deal and it becomes so much easier and it actually helps in the inverse it's like i'm actually might be tempted to eat this croissant right now but you know what i'm the intermittent fasting guy and i don't actually i'm the intermittent fasting guy yeah yeah <laughs> Well, that goes back that goes back to the identity change. And I think I, I get the sense in talking to people who like because, you know, I, I talk about the the Huberman stuff and the supplements and stuff like I'll get DMs from people who will be like, you know, I, I want to start working out or whatever. And it's just like it feels it feels like um, a lot. The first thing I would say, one, you can just go to into chat GPT and say, I want a three day a week workout plan. Like, what can you do for me? Very, very simple. But the other thing is, is that like, it's it's actually never too late to like have an identity change. And like, obviously there's, you know, like the Good Morning America stories of like, you know, the the 80 year old who runs a marathon or whatever. And like, I, I don't mean, I don't mean to sound trite or whatever, but like, I never set foot into a commercial gym seriously with like an idea of what i wanted to do until i was like 28 years old and now it's yeah. like it's like my favorite thing to do like no matter what age you are what station you are in life like whatever you can just change the thing tomorrow you you really can I, and it i this does sound very good morning america and i'm really not i'm really not intending it to but like you fucking can be the new year's resolution guy who gets in shape in a year like you really can there's nothing stopping you yeah. And I think, you know, sometimes what happens with resolutions and, and why I honestly am always a little bit hesitant with stuff like, you know, supplements and, and all this stuff is because I think people yeah. view it as a shortcut. To me, it's like yeah. there is a time and place for those, but it's further along like the, the habit and health journey. That's where you're using it for you to like level up to another spot. But just like 
things like just establishing your routine, getting in the gym, having some kind of framework that is infinitely more important than having your supplements dialed in. But I think because it's easier, right? It's easier to say, I just take this pill every day and that's yeah. going to help me. People want to default to that first, not realizing like that can't be the bedrock of what makes you a healthier person. I mean, even the guys who are making money off of, you know, the supplement industry and selling workout plans or whatever, like, you know, name, name your favorite influencer, Peter Atia, Huberman, Jeff Nippert, whoever, they would all say somewhere in their written material or whatever, they would say, none of this matters if you are not exercising. None of it, right. none, it, it does not matter if you're not exercising. Um, like even, even like, um, uh, Chris Bumstead, like the big bodybuilder dude, five time Mr. Olympia, he will be like, he'll talk about doing steroids and like drugs in some of his videos. And he'd be like, Yeah, like I take X, Y, and Z because I'm literally the best bodybuilder in the world. And like I have to do that, but none of it would matter. There wouldn't be a, a drug in the world that could save me if I wasn't, if my nutrition wasn't dialed in. Like my body is not going to look this way if I'm eating whatever the fuck I want and I'm not like really taking care of it. And it is, it is, I, I have totally fallen victim to this of being like, Oh, well, I'm going to be in great health. If I just take, you know, enough fish oil and multivitamins and sleep supplements and shit, like it's very easy to fall trapped to that. There's a parallel to, and you probably get this a lot too, from people who are, you know, wanting to get into content or stuff. And they'll ask me like, okay, what camera do you have? What lights do you have? And I'm like, do, do six months of content on your laptop with your shitty laptop mic, just getting reps and getting confident on camera and scripting things and working on things. And then you could start to level up all that other stuff. But again, people use that as like, oh, well, I can't start until I have all of this stuff or this will be what allows me to be a great content creator when it's like, that's how you level up what you're already doing. That's not what you need to start with. And so I, I do think it then comes down to all of those, you know, with all of this stuff, it's reps, it's routine, it's building the habits, and then you tinker, right? Like I'm in the stage right now where I'm really good at showing up for my workouts, but I'm starting to feel a little stale. Like I've kind of burned through like all the self-programming and I'm starting to think, you know, maybe I want to pay someone to write me a program. Maybe I want to have a personal trainer come or like go once a week to do that just as something to like kickstart and energize me. But like none of that is going to work unless I've already laid the foundation. Correct. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are a lot of good resources online for programs. Like when you get bored, I, I get most of my stuff from like, I'll find out what I want from like influencer X, Y, or Z. And then I will, uh, th there's a Reddit fitness sharing guides and you just search yeah. for like, like, uh, like I I've cycled through like a bunch of Jeff Nippard's ones, but it's like, yeah, just search for Jeff Nippard PDF and it'll pull. I mean, you know, not that, not that we're saying, you know, don't, don't put mouths in or don't, don't take food out of the mouths of the family of these creators, but some of them are doing all right. It'll probably be okay for them, uh, for them in the end. Um, all right, man. Well, I guess. I guess we should get into uh, to building our resolution blocks for for 2024. Yeah, and I'll, I will say one thing for me, and I don't know if this is similar for you, because um, I do normally make some like tweaks or resolutions or things I want to accomplish. But for me, it is less based on January 1st and way more when the season is done, because for both yeah. of us. We have so much more content responsibilities, even through January with football stuff that it's really hard for me to start new habits in January when there's still a lot going on. Whereas like once the Super Bowl happens and some more time opens up, that's when it's like, 
I really want to set myself up for a really good off season. Yeah. I mean, uh, which could just go like, obviously that goes for our job, but that can go for anyone, right? It could be like, you know, if you're a CPA after tax season, or if you like Peter just had a child or you, I don't know, you got, you got a puppy or just like whatever it is. Yeah. The January 1st part, not as important, although you can start like micro tweaking habits, you know, like whenever. Right. And that, that is going to, you know, dovetail for me. So like my biggest thing I want to do is get back to reading more. It is by far the biggest, uh, gap, the biggest leak in my, in my life game right now, where it's like, I make time for almost everything else I want to do except reading. And there's one clear place where I can make the shift. And I know where it is. It's when I'm done for the night and I'm going up to bed and I dick around on my phone for 30 minutes. You know, I'm either surfing social media. I'm either drafting a couple of teams, whatever. And I know that I can replace that time with reading a book on my Kindle uh, in bed before I before I fall asleep. And we can get into some of the minutia of how I'm going to get back to doing that habit, not just willing it into existence, but from a macro level, like reading more is by far the number one thing on my resolution list this year. So that, I mean, obviously that's a great one. I can show you uh, what I did to, to do that. I'm trying to find the setting on my iPhone. So you go into, uh, Peter, you don't have an iPhone. So this is, uh, this is not going to work for you, but for I bet those my of phone us, has the capability of whatever you're about to say. <laughs> you go, you go into settings, you go mm. into screen time, you go into app limits. This is the one that I have to do. I can get off Twitter whenever, just because I get, I honestly, I just get mad. Like just being on Twitter is just like, I've at least learned that Twitter is poison. What gets me, and I bet this gets a lot of people, I, I there's no way I'm alone in this, is fucking Instagram. If I get on, if it's 8.15, I'm winding down, work's done for the day, I'm get, I know I'm getting up the next morning, I, I'm going to go get my lift in, whatever. I'm like I got the next hour, hour and a half, I could read, I could play video games, I could hang out with my wife, I could do whatever. And you know what? At least once a week, I will end up wasting 45 minutes on Instagram, like just scrolling through posts, reels, whatever. I think the kids do this on, on TikTok. So I set a screen limit for how long it is. Now you can bypass hmm. the screen limit, right? And it could be like, you know, it's two clicks. You can bypass it. But what it is, is it's your phone reminding you, Hey dude, like, don't be a dick, get off your phone. Like you don't need to be yeah. on Instagram right now. That is, I mean, that probably right there, that time limit probably gave me five more books this year of just wow. not lose it just not losing an entire night of your life of which you have a finite amount of days watching short form videos on instagram yeah and i think i honestly i'm gonna have to go one step further than that and i know because i i had success doing this this is probably three to four years ago when i read the most books that i've ever had i think i had one off season where i read like 30 books and it was because i did two things where i didn't take the phone up into the bedroom and then i didn't grab my phone in the morning until after i had read two because you know how it goes like once you kind of go down the rabbit hole of the day it's like oh you have these dms and then that reminds you of this thing you need to do or whatever but when i put that away and i just read in the morning without anything of like the days to do list and all of that stimulus coming in 
I was able to get so much done. And so I think what my version of what you're doing is going to be is I'm going to leave my phone at my desk and I am going, I have a dummy like phone for my alarm or whatever. I can set another alarm and I'm just going to have the Kindle in my, in my bedroom. And so I'm going to go upstairs. I'm not going to be completely ready to go to bed. And guess what is there? I can either sit in bed and stare at the ceiling or I can pull out my Kindle and read to fall asleep. And so I think I'm going to have to go even a step further than the phone hack stuff. Cause I also know that I can just bypass stuff and I, I need to entrench myself even more in that world. Yeah. That, I mean, that is, I, I would say like, honestly, probably the thing that will just give you the most time in your life back is like whatever time you lose on your phone is spend time doing like literally anything else. Like talk to your, talk to your partner, read a book, hang out with your kids, whatever, like whatever your hack is to spend. And you, it sounds easy, right? Doesn't that sound so oh, I'll just leave my phone in the yeah. other room. It's not dude. I, I promise not. you, you're going to fucking hate it. You're going to go, you're going to leave your phone wherever you're going to put your phone, uh, you know, on the other side of the nightstand. So you can't reach it all that easily. And after about three minutes, you're going to be like, yeah, but I wonder what the score <laughs> is in nuggets Lakers, you know, like immediately. It for sure. One other thing that's helped. And again, this just works for me because I, my guess, and this used to be what I would say is like, well, what if something important comes up? What if I get a message or whatever? And so I've been really enjoying my smartwatch. I still don't really use it for any tracking stuff, but it's like I'm with April and I'm out playing downstairs or whatever. I don't have my phone, but if Lauren texts me, I'm going to see it on my watch. And there's like, there's no apps. I can't go on discord. I'm not going on Twitter or whatever, but I'm going to get like the message. And that's also helped me because I've removed the like, well, what if there's an emergency? What if she needs to get a hold of me? Like I'm going to see it here and I can just use it essentially as a pager while keeping the device that can send you down the rabbit hole, like far away from you. So even accounting for some of those things where you're like, well, so I'm, I'm going to have an important, you know, call or something like I definitely understand needing to account for that. But now with technology, there's so many ways to like segment the things you actually need versus the things that are just going to destroy your time and attention. Yeah, I mean, that actually that actually is such a good point that having the smartwatch because that's the lie you tell yourself, right? Yeah, oh, I can't. I can't possibly be, what if, what if my mom calls? What if, whatever, what if I have an emergency? What if I have an urgent work email? Like whatever it might be. Yeah. The watch bypasses that lie very, very easily where it's like, okay, sure. Yeah. Uh, and I, I mean, I don't know. I have a, an old, I think this is the Apple watch six. I think I paid 200 bucks for this off eBay. Like, yeah, I mean, not everyone is going to be buying a $200 Apple watch, but like for me, it's a good investment. I like it for tracking workouts and stuff too. Uh, there, I, I think I am, I am pro smartwatch in, in general. Yeah. And I think the, the other part that I'm going to do, and I actually don't think this is like the number one way you should always motivate yourself as far as with like you and I have done the bets before and, but I do find the like public accountability thing to be good. And so I think in my newsletter, what I'm going to do is I'm going to figure out like realistically, I think aiming for two books a month during the off season is a pretty realistic, but still like solid goal. And I think I might do some kind of giveaway in the newsletter if I don't hit however X many books it is by the start of the season. And then I was like, it'll be a fun way. I can kind of do a, a, a quasi book club in the newsletter, like share what I'm reading, a quick recap. 
And by making it, holding myself accountable, not only setting up the habits in my own home to help me read more, but then making myself publicly accountable and talking about it. I'm going to, I just know myself. I will not let myself slip behind if I have to come and say, oh yeah, I haven't read a book for two months. Like I will be too embarrassed. My shame will never let that happen. And so that not everyone's going to be wired the same way, but that public accountability will be the second prong for me that like ensures that I don't slip behind in the same way when you and I were doing our reading and meditation bed, I was like, I do not want to lose this. Like I'm going to keep doing these things. Yeah. I am. I am now anti fitness, health mindset wagers because, uh, I've done three of them now and not one time has it ever been, uh, something that stayed static Stuck. in my life. Yeah. It, it, it always like uh, almost immediately reverted back to whatever my habits were before. Um, Ricky, Ricky D said when, when I had him on the show, he said it's incentivized discipline, which is yeah. so true. It doesn't, it, it doesn't work. Right. It just, it really, it really doesn't. So I'm now anti uh, health and fitness bets. Yeah, I, I think I'm, I agree with that and I'm fine with it. I think the one place they can be helpful and the reason they don't work. And you know, a lot of people, I'm not like shitting on like the whole 30 or the juice cleanse stuff, but the reason it doesn't necessarily always work is because it doesn't uh, develop a sustainable habit. You're like, thank God yes. this is over. I never want to do this anymore. So a lot of times when you do these bets, you, it's not accounting for the ebbs and flows of life and the things that come up. And so it really can be painful of like, oh, I had to like say no to this really important thing because I had to like win this stupid bet. Um, but I think where they are actually beneficial and my like my hope is that, okay, over these next six months where I know I need to read and I'm not going to have any other time to do it other than at night, if I'm being completely honest with myself, that that is then going to build up that habit. And that by the time the season starts, and again, I say this every year, but the hope would be, that I don't feel compelled to bring my phone into the bedroom, even once the season starts, even when there's fantasy scores to check and all of these other things that are, you know, you know, specific to seasonal stuff. Like that's my hope with kind of like the direct incentivizing and the public accountability is that an actual long-term habit that's sustainable gets built. I'm all on board, all on board with that. All right. My, we, I don't know. There's not that much to go into this one, but I, uh, I, I want, would like to join the powerlifting 1000 pound club. So that's deadlift plus bench press plus squat. I'm actually not that far away because my ratios are all messed up as a short fat guy. I can deadlift and squat a shit ton relative to my body weight, but I cannot bench press enough to make it super feasible. I would have to be, I would have to be like deadlifting, like three X my body weight, um, to, to get it there at this point. Which, uh, again, the, you know, kind of, I mean, it kind of sounds dumb and kind of sounds vain, but the reason why I want to do it is that there's like some, some very easy, actionable stuff that I've not been doing to get there. Like kind of boring stuff, like shoulder mobility and like, like working on like my tech neck from sitting at my desk all day and like having my, just having a fuller range of motion throughout there and like grip strength, which the, the Huberman Atia boys are say is like, you know, pretty much one of the number one ways to test how actually functionally fit someone is. Cause I think the deal is, is I'm not very functionally fit. I'm like gym weightlifter strong. And I would, I would like to develop more like actual functional fitness and I, I'm not that functionally fit right now. So that is, that is my, and that is a, a pretty attainable goal. Like for me, that's not one that is like, 
I'm going to end up being mad at myself at the end of the year. So that's kind of my, my easy one for myself. I, I love the phrase functional fitness. Cause it's something I've thought about more lately, specifically since having a kid where I've been highly motivated to do more stretching, to do more yoga, because like I'm crawling around after April everywhere and chasing after and playing games and hide and go seek and creating forts and crawling through tunnels and all of these things. Like you start to feel the functional stuff of like, Oh, this is sore. My back hurts here. Like I'm never in this position otherwise. And it's like, this yep. is actually a pretty good motivating factor of like, I want to be able to run around and do all of the stuff with April that gets harder. If you're out of shape, the older you get, if you're not flexible and, uh, you know, the functional stuff starts to become, I think, even more and more important uh, the older you get versus I think early on, it's just, oh, just aesthetics, how I feel like that's all that matters. And then you're like, wait, I actually want to be able to do things. Yes. Yeah. And and as I, you know, as I get older, uh, you know, that's it does. It does matter a little bit more to me, you know, a, a sore back. Like if I if I have a bad day deadlifting or whatever and i have a sore back like that like knocks me out for like you know the next three days like i'm having i'm having a bad time and i would prefer i i, I just in general a little bit less meathead move the most amount of weight possible and a little bit more you know kettlebell like full torso rotation type stuff is kind of be that's going to be just like whenever i move to my next program i'm going to have it be a little bit more I guess like just like more eccentric movement, more jumping, more stabilizing and things like that. Cause also like uh, skateboarding is a little bit harder for me right now. Cause I'm a little bit, uh, my upper body is a little bit bulkier than it's ever been before. And so my body's having to like relearn movements that I've done the same way since I was like 10 years old. So that's, uh, that's my number one thing that I'm gonna go in and not it's another thing the power the power of language not saying like hoping to accomplish want to accomplish it's on my list whatever it's like no it's like that will be i will be accomplishing that in 2024 yeah and like that that is the one thing like i talk about optimizing for momentum and i have that part down pat right now but there is something really fun when you have like a concrete goal of wanting to lift X amount of weight or wanting to run, you know, a mile and whatever speed. Like when you have something tangible like that, it adds a level of workout specific motivation that's sometimes otherwise hard to come by. Like otherwise I'm just judging myself on like, oh, I got to sweat. I feel good. But like having that drive to push yourself a little harder to do a couple more reps um, is a really fun thing. Like I, I would, for a long time when I was going to a boxing gym, like I literally would pretend like, what if I was training for a fight? Like, how would I be doing this workout right now? And I would just like, you were talking about the tricks to ourselves mentally. Like that was a trick. I told myself to work harder because when you really think about it, when you don't have those things, like anytime I'm like running or something, I, I, I battle with myself. I'm like, I could just stop running right now. It literally does not matter, but you yeah. have to like, tell yourself these lies. You got to channel your inner David Goggins and just be like, you know, what, what is the thing I'm going to tell myself that motivates me to get it done? So to have something tangible like that, that you're chasing after is very helpful. Who's going to carry the fucking boats, man. I mean, that's a, <laughs> that's an example. That's an example of something that like 16 year old me would have thought was so corny and so stupid, but that like really speaks to a 31 year old version of myself that like does have extreme trouble motivating and disciplining through like a lot of life situations of just being like, it literally doesn't matter. So just don't do it. Like, you know, yeah. it, it doesn't matter. What, I just want to say one thing as I'm like thinking about this and I know 
for me with time becoming a huge deal is, you know, sometimes it can be like, oh, you, you do this and you do this. And then, oh, I'm also going to add this goal. And it's just like, as if there's this infinite amount of time and resources and energy that one thing I've had to be really honest with myself about is like, sometimes you got to pull away from something. Sometimes you have to like cut something else out to make room for it. And like, for me, like, and you probably feel the same way a lot of times, like with content, there's a million different projects you could tackle. There's a different side project you could do. Like there's so many things with like YouTube content I would like to spend more time on, but I sometimes have to be honest with myself and being like, is like sticking with this new health goal or adding in this thing, how does that jive with this other thing? And you really do have to like prioritize and I wit like if I I wish I had double the amount of hours in the day so I could do it all. But like I think that's the other part of it is it can sometimes seem aspirational. You do all of these things, and I just want to say like yeah, you sometimes have to cut shit out. You sometimes have to make tough sacrifices to really prioritize a specific goal. True, and also just remember, you know, we are just you know some some particulate bits of matter floating on a giant rock in space and at the end of the day like none of it matters you know life life moves on and uh it will move life will continue to move on without us like each individual decision you make is not going to change the course of history you know you're not you're not polytreaties like I, that maybe for some people i think that's very demotivating for me that is a, a helpful mind state to be in you know you can you can uh other opinions are available on that but that has always worked <laughs> for me I'm trying to think like the, the reading one is the one that I'm going to actually do like a concrete thing. I'm going to set a number to it. I'm going to be publicly accountable. Yeah, set, I set do, the, that's what you got to do. You got to set a number. Well, I think I'm going to, I'm going to do two books a month. Um, it, the real key though, Davis is the temptation for me is to do the new year's resolution thing. But like after the super bowl, like that's the easy thing I might need to find a way to say, no, you are going to read in January. Maybe I do start it. Like my new year's resolution is actually doing it as a new year's thing, just to force myself to build that habit, even through the playoffs. Well, you know, what happens for me is I get off to such a great start and I'll be feeling good. I'll be reading. I'll be meditating. I'll be working out. The diet will be good. And then best ball season will get there. And yep. I just become I just become a phone zombie. So, uh, I mean, my one of my things I did last year was just way more slow drafts than ever before. Uh, you know, I like I don't know. Sounds stupid. Sounds corny. But that was a way for me to maximize my time better. That was a way yep. for me to spend less time looking at my phone and more time, you know, like interfacing with, with real life was to do more slow drafts. Like people mock on slow drafts and I don't know, whatever, like they might be stupid. We'll, we'll see who ships best ball mania for. You're talking a to a guy who's slow. very pro slow draft. You know that, right? Yeah. Yeah. But the, the, the slow drafts enabled me to get all the drafts. I, I maxed all the contests that I wanted to max. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. That's, well, that's what I got. Well, the other thing about that, right. Is, if you do, and I remember telling this to Karain when he was trying to do a bunch, and I'm like, you can, like, it is just math. You can set up your calendar reminders uh, of like, hey, every eight hours or whatever before I time out to like do a sweep on my teams. So you could actually schedule and plan around it. You can be like, these these blocks of 30 minutes, these two 30-minute blocks each day are when I'm going to make my teams. And then you're actually like building up pretty good habits. You're getting in the teams you want, but also not letting it like bleed into everything uh, else you do. So yes, I, I'm still on team uh, slow draft as well. All right. What other, what other goals do you, do you have? Is that, is the reading? Well, I do. I want to find something. Like I said, I'm, I'm good with my routines and fitness and like, I don't ever really fall off the wagon or just throw in the towel, but I would like to find 
a specific motivation factor. Um, I think the hard thing for me is like, I like being a generalist with my exercise. Like I like running. I like doing chest stuff. I like doing, you know, agility and mobility stuff. I like doing yoga. Like I never have like one thing where I'm like, I want to be able to do this thing. And so then it makes it hard for setting a concrete goal. Um, and that's why I end up like doing like the 5, 20, 10, 25 challenge with Laird. Cause that was like a hybrid of lifting and running. And it kind of speaks to me liking to do different things. But I guess my kind of to do resolution thing is to figure out a specific fitness goal to give me that like extra level of motivation, not to show up, but to work harder. You should, uh, you should run a marathon or a half marathon. Have you done that before? I haven't, I think it would be more appealing to me to honestly do what are those like the, the fucking Iron Man type things or where it's like yeah. uh, half, you know, weightlifting half, or I don't even know what they're the tough mutters. What are the CrossFit? There's, bros? there's, like I that? was going to say, there's probably like a CrossFit competition that you could yeah. enter in the greater Massachusetts area where it's like, and you wouldn't want to embarrass yourself. So it gives you X amount of months or, or whatever to train and you show up and you compete in some CrossFit games qualifier or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I think I would like to find something like that, that I'm specifically training for. I know like Leone and Chris Allen and Daigle, they actually invited me to do, they're called a Ragnar race. And it's like this group kind of relay race. And everyone has different legs that vary somewhere from like three to eight miles. The part about that, that I don't like, it's like you do it overnight and you're sleeping in a van and all that shit just sounds miserable to me. Uh, even though the like actual exercise and the training and the camaraderie sounds very fun. I'm like, I, I don't want to sleep in a van. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, non-negotiable. That would be, that would be non-negotiable for, for, but for me. So I, 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 I do think the one that Laird had, uh, no, it was, a uh, it was Jason Strasser, right. Who had pointed the thing of like how many pull-ups, um, do a mile, your mile time. And what was the third one? Bench press. Bench, bench press, press, uh, yeah, whatever. Which, yeah, and I had done that and I've actually been focusing on bench a little bit more lately. I think I can do a lot better, but like even little things like that, um, I think are really fun to train for. Cause then it's like, Oh, can I see if I can be on Laird's heels, you know, with a five, 10, 25 or something like you that. You should, you should do NFL combine training. Yeah. That the agility stuff is, is definitely fun. Yeah. Well, my, my thing forever was I wanted to be able to bench press more than CMC did at the combine, which I believe was like 12 reps at 225. And the most I ever got up to was like eight, um, which is about what uh, I'm getting up to now again. Uh, so maybe I'll, I'll try to hunt down CMC again. It's pretty good in your thirties. It's pretty good in your thirties to be able well, to do 225 eight times. Well, I'm the inverse of you, Davis. Like my bench is by far my strongest, but because of like my lack of mobility and hinge movements and stuff, like my squat and my deadlift are really bad. Yeah. I, I, for me, I think it's actually like a skateboarding thing. Like my hips are just, I I'm just very used to that hinge. I've been doing that hinging movement since I was 10 and generating velocity with like my quads and my calves forever. Um, so my, my weight related goal is I, I've, I've done this so many different ways and it like, I, what I can do is I can crash diet to get to any weight I want. Like I can get to, I can get to one, I can get to 155, uh, pretty quickly, right? Water, chicken, intermittent <laughs> fasting. I, I can get there. My concrete goal, the thing I can actually do is track everything I eat. And so I'm not okay. going to say, 
I'm not going to say you got to track everything you eat for the whole year because that's daunting. That is too exhausting of a goal. What I am going to do is I'm going to track every morsel of food that I eat in January and see what that does to my habits, to my diet, to how I feel, to my body comp, all that stuff. So starting January 1st, I'm going to track every meal I've got, I've got, I've, I've had, I've done every fucking meal tracker, every it's I've, I've been so deep in this stuff. Um, and I think that, I think that will be a good habit hack without doing it to say, you've got to get to a certain weight, but just to get an actual idea of what the stuff I'm eating over a month without telling everyone, okay, I'm, I, my goal here is just to lose the most amount of weight in the shortest time frame is possible. I, I think that will set my, I think that will set me up pretty well for the next 11 months. Well, there's, there's multiple benefits to the tracking stuff. One, there's just like the concrete data, right? Like you can look back, you can see like, that's very helpful, but it's also then a level of accountability. It's a lot harder to write down. I just had, you know, eight Oreos right now versus Correct. I just had chicken cutlets. Uh, so that is helpful. And I think to just making yourself more conscious and being more intentional about everything yes. you do because so much with eating can feel just fly. Oh, I'm just walking by the pantry. I'm just going to grab this. And then you really start to think through, I'm going to go write this down and I'm going to be held accountable. Did I really need a snack at 1045 at night? Did I really like, need three yeah. rice cakes at 1143 AM <laughs> on a Monday? Probably not. Yeah. So I think that can be really helpful. And like the same thing. I remember a couple years ago when I, I took golf lessons and I, he, like, I had all the stuff written down that I was focusing on. And every time I would go to the range and stuff, I would take that little notepad and I would go through the things. And then eventually it's like, I had done them enough that I knew my like progressions, but just having that even as the first set of training wheels is like really helpful because it is hard to go zero to 60 sometimes. Like I, I personally am not a big tracker. I've never tracked macros like i think i do a pretty good job intuitively with the eating side but then like with say workout stuff i really do like you know tracking like here's my bench workout i know i'm adding five pounds here this week like i need that because i don't i'm not as good intuitively with weightlifting stuff as i am with food but everyone has to figure out like where they fall on that spectrum see i'm the exact opposite with like weights i can be like i know that i've got four reps left in my arms or whatever, or I can be like, that was too light. I need to go heavier. Like I just like in, very intuitively, I'm able to figure that out. But with food, I'm like, what, I don't know. What was that? 200 calories. And it was really like 580. Like that's just, that's, that's my deal. Yeah. Yep. The, uh, any other, any other resolutions for you? Yeah. I got a golf one. I'm going to play, a minimum of 15 rounds of 18 holes, which doesn't I'm sound jealous. like a lot. It doesn't sound like a lot in, in, in your thirties. It's, it's harder to get out there for 18 holes. Can you, you, you want to talk about making sacrifices when you are married, getting out to play 18 holes of golf, buddy. Uh, yeah. Try, try talking to someone who, uh, has a kid who played, uh, two rounds of nine holes this entire past year was, uh, was what I ended up getting in. So yeah. I, I feel you on that. 15 would be a, a luxury. I, I probably haven't played 15 since COVID summer. And, and what's annoying is I played very well relative to my standards last year. I had two, I had two rounds of 84 and a round of 85. I played my first round ever without losing a ball this year which was oh, like, yeah, that, was, that was one that felt really cool. But it's like, 
you know, if I would have grinded a little bit harder, you know, given up like two extra weekends, it's like, I, I probably could have gotten into the seventies. Like if I really would have worked, I probably could have. And so I, I, that is, that is sort of the overarching aim. But again, I'm, I'm trying to set concrete things that I can like literally check off a list and be like, all right, that was 14. That was 13. Um, that is the, the idea there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'll, uh, do you, do you have any other tips for uh, for people if they're trying to make their own resolutions? I feel like the thing we've really hit on is like making sure that you first write down the resolution. I want to read X amount of books. I want to run a mile in X amount of time. But then what are the habits that you're actually going to do to make you achieve that as opposed to just being like, I'm just going to wake up every day and hope I ultimately run a six minute mile. Um. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of a hardo about this, so like take all this with your your own grain of salt, but I wake up at the same time every day even on the weekend. I still wake up I maybe sometimes I give myself an extra 30 minutes of sleep on the weekend. I do the Huberman thing of getting bright light in my eyes immediately when I wake up. Now obviously I live in the Midwest. It is the winter. Uh, the sun is only out about seven hours a day. So I I'm, I'm substituting that with literal actual bright lights. Like I turn, like when I get up, I turn every light on in the house. Like <laughs> I, I, I get, I get the light. Um, and then I, um, and then also, uh, I would, uh, start drinking a gallon of water every day, which doesn't, it sounds neither here nor there, but doing that, I, it's so crazy to me. For me, the the amount of water I intake is it's like what we were talking about with the momentum thing. It is so directly linked to accomplishing other shit because it just means I'm on my game if I'm actually needing to consume um, that much water every day. But honestly, the number one thing for me would be uh, getting eight hours of sleep and waking up at the same time every single day. And if you do that and you start your day with some discipline, like the rest of it is just going to flow from that. Yep. And I mean, a lot of the things, you know, end up like tying into each other in ways you wouldn't even, you know, picture like, uh, like one other benefit of me, hopefully starting to read more at night is the stimulus from a Kindle is going to be far less than from my phone. I will get tired easily. I probably will cut my screen time down to a quarter. Like I'll read for 15 minutes instead of being on my phone for an hour. And so then I am going to have more time in the morning because I'm going to be able to wake up and you're going to feel better and then I'm going to feel better. And then like those good habits, a lot of this stuff within that general realm, um, really feed into each other in a way that, you know, build off each other and they really compound in a positive way. Yeah. If people are looking to, uh, add any supplemental material other than just two guys in their thirties, uh, talking shit on a podcast, uh, I, I, number one book I would recommend to you would be, uh, outlive, by Dr. Peter Atia, that yep. sort of, it's just like, it's, it, I mean, it's a, it's a book, but like, I don't know, you could read it in a couple days. If you're, if you're, if you're following Peter shit and you're really grinding and you're sitting down and reading 30 minutes at a time or whatever. And, um, the James Clear book as well, uh, uh, Atomic Habits. I mean that we've talked about that one a ton on the show, but like, really, that's actually probably the, the, you should just shut this podcast off and and just go read that instead. Cause it's really just such a better summary of what we all just talked about. It is just a really like foundational evergreen book. And I will also put a recommendation. He did, um, 
uh, and I don't listen to all the Tim Ferriss podcasts, but James Clear went on Tim Ferriss probably like a month or two ago, and they kind of circled back to a lot of just like the cornerstone things from that book and some stuff he had some updated thoughts on. Um, and if you want just like a quick high-level overview of some of those things, uh, I recommend that uh, that podcast interview. But yeah, I highly recommend that book. It's You talk about like getting a one good thing from a book that you then can implement into your life. I mean, there's probably four to five things and we hit on probably three of them here from that book that are just like legitimately transformational once you start to apply them. The habit stacking thing uh, for me was like literally like did actually change my life because it turned me from like I just used to sit on my couch and draft best ball teams. And now I do cardio when I draft best ball teams, like whatever that cardio might be walking, running, stairmaster, yeah bike what just what literally whatever it is that i am moving my body i am forcing my heart rate to go up and pump more blood through my body when i to to the point that when i am just sitting here at my desk or whatever and i pull the dog app up it feels wrong and like i can't even concentrate to do like a playoff best ball draft when i'm not moving like it's like i'd rather just yeah. go outside and walk and do it it's funny you said I, I did a, I posted a little thread of some playoff best ball resources and I had stumbled upon, you know, I've been wanting to find time to do these drafts. And I started my own little underdog cardio club with planks doing like on off 40 seconds on 20 seconds off during a gauntlet draft. It ends up being perfect, you know, like a six, seven minute draft, get like a three to four minutes of planks in. And like, even that of like, okay, I want to go do another draft. All right, go do some planks. I think it would work well with mixing in pull-ups too. You do pull-ups in between your picks, uh, bang out five or six or wherever you're at. Um, so even just like little things like that, uh, it helps you build momentum in a really positive way. And it, it works with, um, negative habits too, of just like, if like the first thing you do in the morning is, uh, get on your phone, just like start your habit, whatever, give yourself some kind of reward in the morning. Like, I don't know, be like any morning that you don't immediately reach for your phone, you, you make like your favorite flavor of fucking Keurig or whatever, or, or you, you, you put a little bit of creamer in your coffee if you're uh, an intermittent fasting bro, but you're going to give yourself a little bit of sugar in the morning with your coffee when you don't get on your phone. I actually think screen time in the morning, probably more detrimental than sugar and sugar is bad. So like, it's really not good. That, I, I know this and I still probably about 50% of morning still get on my phone within 15 minutes of waking up. Oh Yeah. Yeah. I, I spend, I definitely get on my phone right when I wake up, but I actually spend less time now that I have a kid. Right. Cause it's just like, ah, oh, check my email, a couple important messages. And then it's off to, to hanging out with, uh, with April. So that's a helpful, but yeah, the, I, I think fondly back to the habit I had built for a couple of years where I didn't look at my phone for the first like hour and a half when I was woke up and I had my coffee and I would read and God, was I in a blissful headspace, uh, when I did that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's probably enough, uh, proselytizing from us here at the program today. We're going to go ahead and get out of there. Uh, quick reminder, seriously, if you, if you want a workout plan, if you want, if, if you have any help, uh, or, or want any help setting a goal, DM me, tell me your circumstances, say, this is what I want to accomplish. I will, I mean, I'm not going to promise that I'm going to change your life, but I, I, I just like get a great, amount of enjoyment talking about this stuff. And I had a couple people actually reach out to me uh, when we've touched on these before to be like, actually listening to this idiot fantasy football tout talking about getting in shape. I did X, Y, and Z. I lost 30 pounds doing the cardio club. 
I still walk every, just like whatever it is. And I mean, that's cool. Like that, that yeah. it, it feels, it feels really cool to do that. And they're like, I'm, I'm the same way, right? It's not, there's much, much better information out there than what Davis and I are saying here. But I think sometimes hearing it from people who have the same hobbies and interests in you make it seem totally like more attainable. Like I I'm the same way where I like listening to people um, who are like me talk about how they're navigating it. It just seems more accessible. So yeah, uh, we do not have all the answers, but uh, hopefully this at least inspired you to start uh, thinking about some stuff in a new way. That's how I got into Huberman. I learned about Andrew Huberman from a skateboarding podcast because okay. Andrew Huberman used to be a skateboarder. I think he might even still, I don't know, but he went on a skateboarding podcast and was talking about, you know, the sunlight in the eyes and all. And I was like, that's kind of fucking cool. And that like started a whole branch chain reaction in my life, which is like not even really that link to Huberman, the man anymore, but it is like, yeah, when you have shared interests with someone, um, yeah, it just, it makes him, it makes him more relatable. Right. Cause if you listen to, you know, Peter Atia, it's like, well, Peter Atia, you're not trying to max the big board this spring. Right. Uh, yes. th these guys are, they're trying to figure out how to be healthy while also getting that action. in. so I think in that regard, uh, we got a leg up there. Yeah, for sure. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. I will be back next week. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee.